Welcome to The Playlist Podcast, a weekly discussion of films and TV. I'm your host, Charles Barfield, Managing Editor of The Playlist. And for this week's episode, I'm joined by only one of my regular co-hosts, Mike D'Angelo. So Mike, are you ready to learn that there are actual consequences to trafficking drugs and killing people while looking cool on a motorcycle? But what if there wasn't, though? I know. <laughs> if only. We'd all be We've outlaws. We've seen plenty of that. I know. <laughs> For this week, Mike and I are going to discuss season three of Mayan's MC, the underrated FX drama series about a group of motorcycle enthusiasts in Southern California that just absolutely love riding their Harleys and also bringing heroin into the U.S. Now, you may be thinking, but I don't watch Mayan's MC, so I can't listen to this episode. That's not completely true, because the main reason we're doing this recap of season three is because Minds is something that Mike and I are both fairly late to the game on, and we're absolutely taken aback by how good the show actually is. And with three seasons on Hulu right now, season three just ending last night, you can start your binge whenever. But before we figure out if this podcast honors the legacy of Jax Teller, I got to tell you that the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes Be Real, The Fourth Wall, Deep Focus, and more. And if you want to find us, you can check your podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, or anywhere else you find your favorite shows. Okay, dear listener, I also want to let you know, before we jump into our discussion, that I, I recently had an in-depth interview with the Mayans MC series co-creator and showrunner Elgin James. And even if you're not someone that watches the show, our discussion is arguably more about family trauma, growing up in punk rock, and how a guy in his mid-30s drops everything, moves to LA, and somehow gains control of a major FX TV series. Elgin James's story is absolutely nuts and inspiring, so I think it's worth a listen. Also, if you're worried that we're going to spoil Mayans, don't be. The first part of this discussion will be spoiler-free, and I'll warn you before we get to any spoilery sections. So, Mike, yeah. let's get into it. <clears throat> um, yeah <laughs> yeah you gotta you, we gotta talk deeper than normally i, I feel for this yeah. one yeah bikes and <laughs> beers and chicks man before we talk about season three i want to ask you about your history with this show like yeah. me i believe you watch sons of anarchy right yeah absolutely okay that, that was something i i went season to season on uh, yeah same here starting from about season two or three and then we we're uh, season to season with it yeah, I think I, I think I caught on about season three and then watched season to season. Yeah. yeah. Um, so with that in mind, I got to ask you, why did it take you until season three of Mayans to catch up? What was your hesitation? <laughs> well, uh, it's it's not that I, I felt like I'd had enough of that story at that time. And it was something that I'd always meant to get around to. I really liked Sons of Anarchy. I had my issues with it, but I also, you know, it was it was a solid show. Um a brutal solid show, but this one, <laughs> I mean, we'll get into that. This one takes it to new levels. Um, but yeah, it was just something that I was, I was eventually going to get around to. And, you know, after, I don't think I would have started watching it if you hadn't started watching it. Cause I, I had watched one episode probably a year, two years ago and I, I liked it, but for whatever reason, I didn't come back to it. And, and I think like right now is a really great time to jump on because you get to see, Seasons one and two, which are very Suns-esque for those Suns fans that needed a little something to, to hold on to. But then you get to see it immediately evolve yeah. into what it becomes and what it, it actually is and hopefully will be for more seasons, many more seasons. And that's you get to see the trajectory of it. And yeah. I think this is a really perfect time to jump on and, and kind of check out the show. I I, I echo your sentiment of regarding sons. I, I enjoyed sons. My wife enjoyed sons. It's one of those where you watch it. And I think this is kind of just Kurt Sutter who created sons and co-created minds kind of in a nutshell. He creates shows that are like insanely watchable 
even if they aren't going to win any Emmys, even if they aren't going to challenge your brain all that much, he, he knows how to craft television. That's just what he does. And he can make you care about biker gangs and gun trade and drugs and stuff like that. It's things that are completely foreign to me. Mm-hmm. But uh, he does it because there's like this, there's this dark humor throughout, which is also really fun. And then there's a lot of like, uh, I would say it's almost, it's almost soapy in a sense yes. because everything is very dramatic, but it's so dramatic that it almost like is, is like uh, Shakespearean almost, mm-hmm. you know? It's it's like Game of Thrones on bikes. It's yeah. this idea of like who's going to be king and who's going to, you know, betray who and and uh, it's 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 nuts. But so Sons is great, but you're right. After I think that ran 7 or 8 seasons. Mm-hmm. After it I kind of was done. The story ended for me. And Mayans, um if you watch Sons, the Mayans were introduced as kind of like this you know, not a second tier gang, but kind of a, an also thing, you know, like, well, yeah, they exist, but I mean, how much different can it actually be? You know, exactly. and, and they were kind of second tier in sons. I mean, there was sons and then there's the fucking Mayans. Right. Right. And in, in this one, it's, it's quite the opposite, obviously. Yeah. And, and, and so the reason I, I got into Mayans now finally is me and my wife were on Hulu and I was like, why don't we just give Mayans a try? You know, I, I knew season three was was airing and I was like, you know what, let's just do it. And and immediately the the same thing that makes you love what Kurt Sutter did with Sons kind of gets you into Mayans in the first two seasons, especially, you know, there's just enough link between the season or between the series that you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, oh, we get to see Chibs again, you know, yeah, exactly. and then <laughs> and then it, it does evolve right when I think it needs to. And in a way where it's just like. Now Mayans doesn't feel like a Suns spinoff at all. And that's, I think, ultimately for the best. So, yeah. 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 Like I said, it really becomes its own thing in season right. three. So let's talk about that change. So for me, this is a show that's split up into three seasons, but honestly, it's really two different beasts, right? You have seasons one and two, which Elgin James co-show run with the Suns creator, Kurt Sutter. But then you have season three, which just wrapped up, and that's where Elgin James gets to be the only showrunner after Kurt Sutter was fired from the production due to his abrasive onset attitude. Um, but behind the scenes drama side, we're not going to get into all that. The tone shift is startling between the first two seasons and season three um, to the point where you were watching, I guess, behind me. I, I kind of was blowing through these seasons pretty quickly. You have kids and stuff, so you have an excuse. Um but I don't. We just we just watch TV in this house. I and know. I went through them pretty freaking you, fast. You did. You did. I was shocked. I was shocked. But but regardless, I remember starting season three and you were, I think, still in season like into season one and beginning of season two. And I was like, yep. holy shit, dude, you're not going to believe this. I just yeah. so badly wanted to talk about it because it is such a startling shift. So I want to ask you, uh, spoiler free, obviously, what are your overall thoughts about season seasons one and two as they are? And then what did you think about season three when you first started it? Did it catch you off guard? Is it something you were like, oh, this is great? I didn't say, oh, this is great until the last episode. Okay. But I noticed the shift immediately. I mean, it's it's pretty, everything changes as far as the visual tone of it, the the, uh, writing of it, the acting even changes to a certain extent. Like there's a, a, it's, it's very much the same show, but it's it's obviously shifting into something else. A, a different voice is behind this. 
Uh, and that's, it, like you said, it, that literally happened. So it's pretty obvious that that voice shifted, but almost all of it is for the better. Like it looks better. It's letting go of those corny, like, uh, needle drops that are in the first couple seasons. <laughs> I always wondered, speaking of, well, we've got to talk about the music because you're the music guy and, and yeah. I, and Brian is also a music guy. And, and I, I tend to only notice the music when it's either really good or really bad. Yeah. And the first two seasons of Mayans, I'm like, oh, this music does not match what I'm watching on screen. Like it felt very sons kind of Southern rock, you know, but, but then they would do things like they would do Spanish covers of, mm -hmm. of songs and stuff. And I was just like, okay, kind of cheesy, but then season three, like the music fits and they yes. get rid of, they even changed the entire opening of the show. The theme song is ditched yep. everything. And thank God the theme song got ditched. I fucking hated that theme song. And I, I texted you about this multiple times. Like, please tell me they get rid of this. Yeah. And there's an evolution of it, but man, I'm glad they got rid of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah. So seasons one and two, I like into like an act one, it kind yeah. of sets the stage. Yep. It's a it, prequel to what this should be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny because I say this in my interview with Elgin, but it feels like season three is kind of a referendum on what seasons one and two were. It was saying, it's saying like, yeah, you guys liked Sons and that's great. You know, we all like Sons, but this isn't Sons and we're going to really plant our foot in the ground and we're going to say, this is not Sons of Anarchy. Take it or leave it. Yeah. Who is Jax Teller? Yeah. Who the fuck cares? <laughs> who the fuck cares? <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, just like, it, 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 we're laughing because that's a line in the season three, but it's amazing. It really yeah. is. I, I can't think of a show that does this dramatic shift in between seasons like this. And it's not just, there is a bit of a time jump, which kind of helps, but altogether, this is just like a fundamental shift. And it's it, it takes everything that has been building in seasons one and two and keeps going with that, but it just grounds everything more in, in character instead of plot. And that's why it's so strong by the end of it, is everything has a very specific reason for happening instead of just like, we got to make this plot work, guys. So. Yeah, I think like Sons of Anarchy fell into this trap where it would set up this like major villain yeah. in each season or or problem and then the whole season was kind of this like i was saying like the shakespearean like backstabbing behind the scenes deals you know betrayals lies all that stuff and then by the second to last episode there'd be some sort of battle and then in like the last last episode you'd realize that Jax teller the lead character had a, a plan this whole time and you were like <laughs> oh shit and then you know it was cool though because it all wrapped up and and you know move on this, the first two seasons kind of felt that way to the point where a villain from Sons is kind of a huge factor in mine seasons one and two. Still there for three. Still there. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But but to the point where this season is so much more about character that yeah. the villain from seasons one and two shows up, but he's kind of just like an afterthought. The yeah. most like the least interesting part of the story, I'd say. Yeah, he's not really backing them into a, a plot corner at every turn. No, no. Yeah. So I, I feel like we do need to jump into spoilers because I, I, there's a lot to talk about season three. And, <laughs> if you're listen, and if you're listening and you've seen season three, especially the finale, stick around because we, we got some questions. But um, before we jump into spoilers, I want to I want to ask Mike to tell all the good folks listening why they should give Minds MC a try, even if they haven't watched Sons. Oh, wow. 
Well, I mean, it's it's an interesting story of, you know, I'm trying to think of a, a good way to put it. I mean, you're given seasons one and two, you're given that kind of sons treatment. So you wouldn't have need to see needed to see sons to understand it. You get your Jax Teller in easy and he's very Jax Tellery. His voice. Couple seasons, the voice he even has, you know, not that necessarily I have a plan, but I am super smart. I'm better than all of you. Yeah. Uh, and, and I have a super, memory a, and a superpower yeah I, it's basically a superpower where he can remember everything and they lean on him to like fix plot stuff and uh, make things gel a little easier in the first couple seasons but you know getting back to why you should watch it i mean it, it gives you that that kind of dark hero's journey that tees up the the character stuff for season three really really well and i don't want to harp on how much better season three is than than one and two but the it's it's like a really good time to join in because it starts really getting juicy at this point in time um i guess i'm not really selling you know why you should watch <laughs> seasons one and two why do we watch seasons one and two? Oh, to get to season three yeah basically uh i will i will never be the guy that says skip seasons one and two never yeah no. uh i hate when people say like you gotta get through those first two seasons to get to the good stuff of any show so i'm not gonna say that because seasons one and two are solid in the sense yeah. that you get introduced to these characters and these characters are great. Um, and, and easy is uh, Ezekiel, the, the lead character. He is kind of the heart of the first two seasons for sure. And his story is, is just fascinating. Uh, he's a recent ex-con who, you know, has reasons for joining a motorcycle gang. It's a lot about his family. His brother's great. His dad's Edward James Olmos, who's always great. Um, Why didn't I just say Edward James Olmos? Yeah, yeah. So seasons one and two, while the plot can get a little like all over the place, the the characters are always good. But season three is really where that shines. But luckily, seasons one and two, I believe, are like eight episodes and ten episodes, or maybe they're both ten episodes. So I think they're it, ten, yeah. Yeah, it's not a lot. You know, we're not talking twenty episode seasons or anything like this, but uh, they're fun. And and if you haven't seen Sons, it's okay because a lot of the stuff with we we joke about Jax Teller, he his name he was the primary character in Sons. His name is mentioned quite a few times in seasons one and two. Some Sons characters return. But really, it's all from the mind's perspective. So even if you don't know anything about Sons, it's okay. Like, yeah. half the characters in this show don't know anything about Sons. So no. it's fine. I don't really think knowing who they are really improves much. No. Except for maybe a little bit of the cliffhanger of season one. Yeah. Uh, where you're like, ooh, Sons. And then, <laughs> you know, it kind of wears off pretty quick. Yeah, it does. It does. And the resolution for, for those who haven't seen like season, each season kind of ends on a cliffhanger. Each episode, I think, kind of ends on a cliffhanger, honestly. But um, none of it is like a payoff that's like, if you know sons, you're in for a treat. Like, it's all just kind of <laughs> like, you know, it's kind of like Marvel in the sense that if you've read all the comics, you get a little bit more, but you don't have to. Right. Yeah, it's not necessary. Okay, so let's get into spoilers. So uh, we're going to jump into spoilers. You've been warned. Stick around if you want to listen to spoilers. Tune out if you don't. You think that you can survive without our pipeline? Without Sano Padre? Let me see you try it. Okay, now we're going to talk full spoilers. So with season three now in the books, the show ends on a pretty fucking big cliffhanger. So Mike... What did you think when you saw this cliffhanger? And do you have any clue how easy in the Mayans are going to get out of this? No. 
<laughs> I mean, judging by the amount of, of angry bikers they had outside their, their gates there, it's, it's not, I don't know how they get out of it outside of, I mean, was that, was that all Mayans was yeah. my question was, yeah. was there, were there sons in there too? Because, you know, they killed what's his nuts. Um, oh yeah. The, the, I, I, they didn't really give him a name, but I, I think it's all Mayans because it's definitely led by the, the only other King, right. They killed one yeah. of the Kings. So it's the other King. I forget which one it is. I think Ramos maybe, no, Ramos is dead. It's the other one regardless. And he's basically <laughs> pulled together all the other charters in the Southeast or I'm sorry, the Southwest and has, has them knocking on the door quite literally of uh santo padre mayans and burning yeah. bottles and, and arms and yeah hands. like molotovs and <laughs> oh my god and it ends in such a it's such a beautiful ending in the sense that like easy's just walking there and this is after all the shit he's gone through and the club but he's just walking there like he's going to take them all on he knows it's coming and he doesn't care and yeah it's a beautiful ending i'm glad it's not the ending i'm glad yeah. we're getting season four that's for sure uh, yeah, I was I was a little upset in that I binged through season three now, and I'm not able to keep binging because right. that's such a uh, the the biggest cliffhanger they've had yet. By yeah, far. and my wife said when she saw that she's like, "We have to wait a year." <laughs> <laughs> that's how it works. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, I know," because I remember at the end of seasons at season one when you find out that Happy killed his mom. Mm -hmm. uh, I joked with my wife, like, thank God we don't have to wait between seasons to figure out what happened there. Right. Like <laughs> we don't have to wait like a year and little did I know what Elgin James had cooking. Cause yeah. Holy crap. That. And if you sat with, you know, the happy thing for a year and then you get what they, they gave uh, you, yeah. I feel like you might've been let down, but if you're just cruising it, it's not much of a letdown. <laughs> not at all. That's why I, I think, I think it's great. I, I would be interested to hear from people who have been watching religiously from seasons one and two, because that was one of the things about seasons, season two, that I was kind of like, what was this whole revelation that happy killed his mom? And then they, they just kind of deal with it. Yeah. In like a, a very mature grown up way. I'm like, what show am I watching? You know, or they're like, yeah, you killed my mom, but you weren't, you were just the trigger man. You weren't the blah, 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 blah. But you were in Sons of Anarchy, the the series. So you yeah, know. we have to keep you around. Everybody likes you. Yeah. I did like they, they peeled off one of his happy faces. I like that. But <laughs> that was that, good. was, that was brutal. But, and that he had, he loved his dog and that's how they got him to, to crack. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, uh, another question about the finale I want to throw at you is what happened to Taza? He comes out to, to for those that you know have been watching. Yep. He's the vice president of Mayans, Santo Padre, and he. We find out in this season that he's gay, which is like holy shit. Because don't know if you know this, but there aren't very many gay people in MCs. So he comes out to Bishop, and it's just him and Bishop in the temple, and they have this tragic scene where Taza has to admit to killing Riz, which happened was that season two. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it all blends together. It does. Um, Riz is another mine that, that Taza had to kill, but he also admits that he did it to cover up the fact that he was going to be outed by this guy yep. and, and killing a brother and like a, an MC brother and coming out as gay are not things that you really want to do when you're part of a, a big macho outlaw club. So it ends with a gunshot off screen. We don't know what that gunshot was. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we we're that's another cliffhanger. So, Mike, 
what do you think happened and what do you hope happened? Uh, I mean, Taz has done some fucked up shit. He has. So, I mean, if he got what was coming to him, then he kind of, you know, he, he got what was coming to him. Yeah. Um, but, and Bishop is in such a dark place. I mean, I will say season three, it, while we're, we're hyping it up as the best of them, it's also by far the darkest. Like yeah. Every single character arc is like very dark uh, to the point where that's why I, I wasn't completely on board until the finale where you're starting to get uh, a sense of, you know, why, and you're starting to, to maybe get to the end of some of these character arcs or, uh, or some, maybe not, maybe not an end, but yeah, resolution yeah. for sure. And that at least gives you something to, to feel, uh, you know, a little relent on that darkness, but man, like Bishop is in a bad way. So it would not surprise me if he just, broken and pulled the trigger i'd like it if he you know they use this as as a way for him to kind of start to climb out of it yeah but yeah i mean in in this season you just kind of start to feel like you're rooting for the bad guys with the way bishop is leading them yeah yeah they this is this is very much uh the the turning point kind of similar in breaking bad you know breaking bad went through a thing where everything's all fun and games you're laughing they're selling you know meth and then suddenly people are dying and lives are being ruined and you're like wait who am i rooting for you know like this is not good and and you seasons one and two the mayans like our mayans the the santo padre mayans are incredibly likable you don't know too much about their traumas except for easy and uh angel yeah but you uh you just like these guys they're awesome and then season three said well those guys you like are really fucked up (laughs) yeah they're fucked up and they're they can do like horrible horrible things yeah even easy easy basically admits that he would have killed a kid if he had to if that's what was best for the club and and he didn't know that he didn't kill a kid you know like he blew up a building with a kid in it and the kid luckily survived and he wasn't even the one that asked how the kid was no (laughs) yeah Yeah. yeah. and that's your and that's your pov character that's your your guy you're rooting for so it's it's dark but yeah um but i I I do love that they gave easy you know so much like before it was like i'm this super smart superpower memory guy golden boy golden boy and now he is cursed yeah by his, his knowledge legacy and his knowledge so yeah it, it feels a lot more dark but very realistic and fulfilling as a character yeah i i i don't want to keep talking about the interview with elgin because I, I really want everybody to listen but he says something that really opened up his thoughts on easy for me which was he explained because another thing that season three does that seasons one and two doesn't is uh they don't lean on his superpower at all mm-hmm. um it's it's almost like a not a non-issue um in fact instead of giving him just like this photographic memory and being the golden boy they also throw in ocd and ptsd mm-hmm you know just to round him out but then they they say like yeah he can remember all the good things which are great for the plot but he also remembers all the terrible shit yeah and and that is something that really leads him down this path where he just realizes like i'm the problem like i it's not the world that hates me that's against me it's not me trying to save my family it's i'm bringing everybody down and that's such a powerful thing but 
Yeah. So as far as Taza, just to put a pin in that, I really, I hope they don't kill him because I think he's a great actor. I think he's a great character. I would really like to see what they would do with uh, an openly gay brother in, yes. in the midst. Um, but then again, you know, does that, does that fit with the story? I don't know. Like to me, what would fit with the story is if Bishop just said, you're out, you're out. Like, yeah. I'm not going to kill you, but you're out. So we'll see. I think the most resonating aspect of season three is Steve, the prospect, um, <laughs> yeah. Steve, the prospect. So uh, he, we're introduced to him in episode one. He's chubby. He's clumsy. He's a joke. The, the running joke is every time somebody says anything to him, it starts with what the fuck, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and he's kind Didn't of this, fuck it up this time, Steve. Yeah. He's kind of this like punching bag, which is what they do. They haze their prospects. Yeah. But he he just starts to fall apart. And there's you you know something's up before I guess they get to the part where they get in the big like battle royale with all the Mayans. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess that's like episode seven or eight. But Steve ends up shooting somebody. Never held a gun before, but ends up killing a guy, uh, a Mayan. And it really fucks with him. And he goes to easy when he shouldn't have gone to easy. Easy's going through his own shit, but he goes to easy and says like, how do you deal with this? You know? And Easy's like, just lock that shit up, you know? And then what we are, that's what we are. And then episode nine happens and he puts a gun in his mouth and blows his brains out. Steve does. Yeah. In front of everybody in the clubhouse. Wow. What did you think of that moment? Did you see it coming? And how do you think it was handled? Yeah, I mean, there was something that was going to happen with him. He was just such an innocent character in this, like, world of absolute lack of innocence. Yeah. So he was either going to get drug into, you know, that darkness, or he was just going to die. And I was pretty sure he was going to die. Um, I didn't know that he would necessarily kill himself, but uh, it was a fitting end, I suppose. And you feel bad for the guy, but um, it, it was it was just kind of one of those dark moments that made everything even even darker. So yeah, yeah. and 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 the fact that the last episode with that actor, um, who's a stand up comedian, believe it or not, really, yeah, yeah, he's a stand up comedian, uh, is so intense that last episode because he doesn't have he never has a bunch of lines. He maybe has, I think he has one dialogue of any consequence with easy uh maybe two but outside of that it's a line here line there it's nothing major but he that last episode he everything with his eyes like he looks shell-shocked he looks completely devastated by just mm -hmm. the life and being dragged into it to the point where he, when he's offered his patch which is this massive thing he he just is like no <laughs> and yeah, he sees no other way out moment. yeah he sees no other way out and it's intense. And I did enjoy that. I think if Kurt Sutter handled this, it would have been kind of uh, done and then moved on with pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. But I think having this be such a having another episode after to deal with the fallout where everybody's just like, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened. Mm -hmm. And and the the because the, they have the women around who are working at the the clubhouse to have one of them have to like get on her hands and knees and like scrub the blood out of the wood floors. It was just like, <laughs> it's such a brutal thing to have to do. But I think it was handled really, really well and really um, 
sensitively, like in a way that this show typically doesn't handle the violence, at least not yeah. in the first couple seasons. So yeah, and it, it it affects people that treated him like shit. Yeah, and like Hank takes it pretty damn hard. Oh, um, Hank. Yeah, poor guy. Poor guy. <laughs> it's the shit end of the stick in a in a season full of shit end sticks. <laughs> I I. Hank is another. So I think what really stood out about season three, just as a whole for me, was the way that all these characters that we grew to barely know over one and two uh, in three, they get like so much more stuff to do. Like we mentioned Bishop Elgin James in his interview says that like the actor who played Bishop comes up to him and says like, where do I live? Because in two (laughs) seasons, in 20 episodes, the president of the Mayans were never shown where he lives. Yep. And not only do we get that in season three, but we also get so much more, you know, and, and Hank, Hank's a mama's boy. This guy who has murdered mm-hmm. Lord knows how many people just goes home to his mom every Thursday night and has dinner, you know, and all he wants is love. It's like such a, a crazy thing. But yeah, another shit end of the stick there. <laughs> and speaking of shit ends, um, let's talk about Coco. Yeah, Coco. Man, Coco, he a dark run this season. Yeah, I think this is probably the most divisive aspect of season three, at least in my mind, because for the first two seasons, Coco is kind of the resident Mayans philosopher. He provides wisdom and guidance for easy. Uh, he gives like memorable metaphors and affirmations. Like the man's like a Meanwhile, quote machine. He's killing his mother. Yes. <laughs> in what was that season one or season two? I don't remember which one it was in. I think it was season two. He he drowns his mother in a bathtub. Yeah. Um, his mother, for the record, not a nice person. Uh, you could, you know, one way or another, maybe she deserved it, maybe she didn't, but she was murdered. And and he kind of just moves on. But in season three, the the trauma of murdering his mother, the trauma of getting uh, almost losing his vision in a mm-hmm. um, an explosion, and then, you know. Uh, getting kind of falling in with opioids just yeah. leads him down this dark path where he is now addicted to heroin and he doesn't just, you know, dabble in heroin. No, he goes to literal meth mountain and <laughs> hangs out with racists and crazy people and does a lot of heroin. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of Coco's story? It was some dark shit, man. Like <laughs> I know it's trying to deal with, you know, these, you know, take what happened in seasons one and two and say, okay, what would this actually do to a character? And it, it takes it to a really dark place, but the whole like actual like scenes in on meth mountain and all that stuff, it it was probably my least interesting or my least favorite part of season three. And he's still really good in it. Coco is really great. And he's always been really great in the series, but it, it was uh, one shade of dark too far for me. I I would agree. I think the problem, if there is a problem with season three, isn't even a season three's problem. It's just how he was handled in seasons one and two, where he was just so damn likable. He yeah. wasn't like making jokes. Um, he wasn't like the jokester of the group, but he was doing things where you're just like, oh, Coco, you're so great. Yeah. And then season three just blows it up and, and, and you see this man, he's, he's like, like dangerously skinny. He's not good. And basically the Mayans, I'm sorry. Yeah. He's a terrible father, (laughs) (laughs) but basically the Mayans say, you know, fuck off. Yep. And so he doesn't even have his family. 
any sense of family. And it was, it's rough. It's a rough watch for sure. Mm -hmm. Do you think he finds his way back in, in the next season? Oh, I hope so. I mean, it ends with, you know, Gilly finally coming to, to his rescue, but he does bring hope with him. And, uh, that's, that's always rough, right? Like, it's like what Letty says, Letty being his daughter says, you know, like, it's hard enough if one person's trying to to come down from heroin and, 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 you know, detox and get over it, but two people it's, it's, they they have a tendency to drag each other down. And so realistically, I don't think it's going to work out for him story-wise. I hope it does <laughs> just because I like the actor. I love Coco. I love what he brings to the show and the minds need a sniper, right? Like, yeah, he is a badass sniper. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. A Marine trained sniper. Like this guy is crazy. And, uh, yeah, so I, I hope so, but, but they make no bones about it. Like he's out of the club. So I don't know what that means. I'm not in a, an MC, so I don't know how it is, how easy it would be to patch back in, but I assume it's not, it's not going to be like, he's not going to be welcomed with open arms. Yeah, we'll see. So just to, to wrap up this discussion, I want to, now that we have three full seasons, two from Kurt Sutter and Elgin and one from just Elgin James, do you like where Mayans is headed? Yeah, for sure. I'm hoping that this is as deep and dark as it goes and it starts to kind of climb it, itself out of it. Because if it goes much darker, I might check out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is intense. I mean, it, it the the violence isn't nearly as graphic in season 3, but it's it's there's brutal. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah. It's it's not I mean, they literally in the pilot episode chop a guy's arm off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, with like a machete or whatever, like Mm -hmm. that's, it's, it's wacky, but this is like every shot means something, you know, uh, there's no easy outs for anybody. So I agree. I I like where it's headed, but boy, oh boy, we need like some redemption. Yeah. And is there redemption for some of these characters? Like some of these guys have gone so far. You're like, I don't know if there's a way back for you, man. Even easy. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately is you know, is there a way back for him? Is there a way back for Miguel, who we've largely skipped over? Uh, he gets. Oh, some, boy. Gets, yeah. Paranoid. And I mean, all of which kind of lines up with, you know, the cartel leader character, like the paranoia starts to catch up and he thinks everybody's after him and he starts to make up his own conspiracies. And, you know, his wife's a part of it. Easy's a part of it. Uh, and he just takes that as fact. And the 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 dark shit that comes out of that is, is pretty irredeemable. I think, I think Miguel, what they did with him and Emily in season three is, is really great because I thought season two went too far in making them likable. Mm. You almost like root for Miguel and you're like, no, he, he shouldn't be. I was mentioning a, you know, an arm getting chopped off. He chops off an arm in the first episode of the series. Like he's a bad guy. And he they 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 fully show like what happens to a, a cartel leader who is going through some some serious shit and you know i don't think he's redeemable but but i think that it's going to be interesting to see what happens in mexico because they they completely they completely blow up everything that was set up in seasons one and two you have the galindo cartel now has a rival cartel with a really really messed up leader yeah. um who is all sorts of batshit crazy. And then you have uh, Adelita, Luisa, who is, you know, who restarted her revolution with kids. Like, wow. 
yeah, I don't know. I don't know where it's going. I really don't. And I'm excited to see, but I really hope there is redemption because I think the show needs it. I think the audience deserves it. And I think, uh, I think it would be the way to go moving forward. I just don't, like you said, I don't know who survives. Yeah. Especially, yeah. Anyone who's in that, that bar right now, like how the hell did they get out of this? So, okay. That's, that's good. Are we, let's, let's, you know, we're months away from season four. Um, in talking with Elgin James, I don't believe much of it is written, even though he knows where it's going. So who do you think is going to die? <laughs> if you had like a top three, most likely to die. Uh, hmm. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I think, <laughs> I think Bishop, I think this might be the end of the line for him. Yeah. Like, if anybody's going to die, it should probably be him falling on the sword. And if more people are going to die, uh, oof, it would be a bummer to see Angel go. I I keep thinking that Angel is like on the way out, but they keep yeah. giving him more and more roots. Yeah. And, and I hope I, he doesn't. Uh, yeah. What a good character, right? Like first season, you're just like Angel's kind of an asshole. But then you just like... <laughs> My wife like made a joke with like his eyes, like his little furrowed brow. Like he's so expressive with his with his face. He's such a good actor. Well, that last scene between the two of them, it kind of lays out where they've evolved. Like they say it to each other, like he's the heart, and Easy is like all the bad parts of his dad. Yeah, and yeah. and that's where they've taken these characters, and that's really rewarding as far as the journey they've gone on. But now, where do they take them beyond that? I, I really think Angel's around for the long haul. Um, I hope so. I hope so, too. I think Bishop isn't long for this world. I don't know that there's much. They do give him a backstory, but it's kind of wrapped up by the end of it. And I don't think there's redemption. I don't think he's suddenly going to be, you know, this nice guy. So I think Bishop, there's no other way out. I think. Here's how they get out of it. Okay. What if that gunshot you heard was Bishop shooting himself? Bishop is dead. <sighs> they have their blood. Can the Mayans like recover from two suicides in two nights? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's a lot. I, I, I think that it, I think you're right in the sense that, you know, the only way out of it is for a big sacrifice for a bishop to fall on the sword and go in front of the angry minds and be like, if you let everybody live and uh, all that, then you can, you can have me, you mm -hmm. know? And it's like very public execution style or whatever. Yeah. But so I think Bishop's done. Um, I don't think there's much way around that. As much as I hate to say it, I think Hank's not going to live. I think Hank is a tragic figure and he's not meant to have redemption and, and a happy ending. And, you know, any of these guys are much yeah. for happy endings. And, and, again, and who knows? And then maybe somebody like Gilly, like dying for Coco or I don't know. I just there you're right in the sense that like there there's nobody's gonna have a happy ending but there are people i think yeah. that are gonna live there was a point in season three where my wife was like are they gonna kill easy yeah <laughs> i was like no no why would they do that they can't that man they, is too yeah, uh, too too attractive and way too built for them to just kill <laughs> off it's far too easy on the eyes that easy. yeah um uh, one one person I do hope they kind of stay away from for a season at least is uh, Emily. Yeah, I think she's had her arc. Let her be with her sister, you know, off screen for a, a good amount of time. Do you, okay, so I was thinking that uh, because of what happened with Easy and Gabby, that Easy could fall in with Emily again. But no, I don't want it to happen. But you know, Easy's heartbroken, especially this season. I think that firmly like. 
kind of established that they should no longer cross over. Like, I agree. I, I think they missed their shot, like she says. Yeah. Yeah. But I agree also that I think Emily has kind of done the the thing, right? Like she started innocent. She became arguably evil. She felt the consequences. She almost died because of it. And now she's like on the run. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, the actress is great though, by the way. Yes, she is. Um, and I think, I think adding the sister was a huge help too for season three. Yeah. Shout out um, to Teen Wolf fans. What? <laughs> She's from Teen Wolf. The MTV show, I imagine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, she is not in the movie. No, she is not. She'd in be like Teen 60 Wolf years Teen old. Wolf 2 with Jason Bateman. <laughs> yes. Teen Wolf T-O-O. Um, <laughs> okay. So yeah, I, I, I guess this is a good time to wrap up. The moral of the story, if you've listened this far, we spoiled all the minds for you and I'm sorry, but <laughs> please go watch it because I think it's really great. And I think it does get unfairly lumped in with Sons, and I think season three is kind of the point where this is no longer a Sons spinoff. Uh, Sons spinoff in name only. This is its own thing. This is much more about family trauma and PTSD and the consequences of a violent lifestyle. It's it's everything that you would probably think a show about motorcycle gangs trafficking heroin is about. Um, yeah. And it just finally got there in season three. So it grew the fuck up. Finally, it really did. It did. And it, it's it's like a kid. You watch it and you watch it grow and you're proud of it. <laughs> you're so proud. Way to go, buddy. Way to go, Mayans. No, go get yeah. a fucking job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now figure out how to make this end happily for everybody. <laughs> but yeah, thank you, Mike, for joining me for talking Mayans. Um, thanks for binging it in entirely too fast so that yeah. we could talk about it. Was it was like two weeks. <laughs> 30 hours your kids don't even remember your name uh <laughs> no they were there you know i just had oh, my iPad with me you, or, like, or it was on the you know right next to me while i was working so. okay yeah 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 <laughs> hopefully hopefully your your sons uh aren't watching it no they aren't like... actually watching the show <laughs> usually they add something else on but uh you know every once in a while there'd be a really gory part they'd be like oh guys you gotta check this out and then <laughs> Do you guys ever wonder what it's like to shoot up between the toes? Um, <laughs> for some reason, that's like one of the most low-key moments of season three. But that just like stuck with me. I'll never forget little Coco shooting his mom up through the toes. Like, oh my God. Anyway. Poor kid. Poor kid. All poor right. Coco, but, yeah, poor Coco. Uh, everybody stick around. Listen, if you haven't already, to my interview with Elgin James. Watch season four of Mines because we're definitely going to do that too. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you.